One, two, one, two. What's going on? It's your boy DJ TLM, and you're tuned into the Share the Knowledge Podcast, episode 59. Time flies by, man. Episode 59. This is my, well, Q&A educational podcast for DJs, and it's going to be a Q&A episode. So if you want to ask me questions for a future episode, check me out online on social. The handle is DJ TLM everywhere, or just send me an email, TV at djtlm.com. If you want to see some of my video footage and clips from the podcast, you can check out my YouTube channel, TV. So this time, I'm going to take some questions from the Q&A feed that I have going on Instagram Live. I have an IG Live feed on right now, and the questions are pouring in as we speak. And the first question I'm picking allows me to plug some of my own channels a little bit more. So the question is, where can I find amazing scratch samples? Now, not to say that I have amazing scratch samples, but I do offer free beats and scratch tools, including scratch sounds, on my SoundCloud so you can go to soundcloud.com slash djtlm or just go to djtlm.com and on the main page, you can scroll down, find that same djtlm TV playlist with beats and sounds and you can just download them for free. Uh, now you have other options, but one thing I want to mention because a lot of times I get questions from people asking me, what do I use to scratch? And you can basically scratch with anything. It doesn't really matter. So of course, if you only have beats, Beats are not the best thing to use, or kicks and snares. They work, but they're not the best. But a lot of tracks may have some nice sounds in there, some vocals in there. Anything can be used to scratch. So, for instance, you can scratch with a kick or a snare or uh, a funky hi-hat. Anything works, but you just want to find different kind of sounds to use. Because a lot of times, if you search online for scratch breaks or scratch samples, you're going to run into the same ah and fresh sounds that we all use and have used for hundreds of years by now. Now, I mean, those are the standard sounds you hear everywhere, but you don't need those sounds. Now, depending on what type of scratch you want to do, it also depends on uh, the length of the sound. So, for instance, if you want to do transform scratches, and that means that you're going to cut the sound into separate pieces, it works best if you take a longer sound. So, maybe like a long scream or something like that. That's going to work a lot better compared to a short sound, because if the sound itself is very short, it's going to make it really hard to cut that into uh, individual pieces. For instance, Speaking about Brain Power, who we have on the feed right now, he has a single called Dunsplot. It's a, a Dutch rap single that was a major hit here in, uh, in Europe. And uh, I do a scratch break in that song. And I take a vocal sample that was taken from another Brain Power track. And in that track, you have a voice saying, Brain Power is in your area. And that ah is really long. That was a perfect sound to use. For the transform scratch. So in the dance plot scratch break, I use that long sound to scratch it into pieces. I have a couple of different ones on uh, my Instagram channel. You can check out where I'm performing that scratch live. I think I dropped one a couple of days ago. So if you go to IG, go to my profile right now. A um, couple of posts back, I posted myself scratching. Uh, that was a scratch on CDJs, I believe. But that's a long sound. That's perfect for transform. Other times, if you have a short sound, you can use that to do all sorts of chirps and different type of cuts as well. So check my SoundCloud, check my website, and of course, you can just Google scratch sounds, scratch breaks, and you'll probably run into some more uh, sounds as well. But you have a music collection, that means that you have sounds already. All right, let me continue. 
I saw another question, and this was, what's the best way to handle a gig on your DJing behind a headlining MC with opening acts? For instance, I have a hip-hop show with Planet Asia. All right, so what's the best way to handle a gig on DJing behind a headlining DJ uh, MC? So I guess you mean that you're DJing for Planet Asia. You're part of Planet Asia show. Salute, by the way. I like Planet Asia. Dope releases. That's from way back, though, so it's dope to hear that he's still touring. Um, I've been touring with, again, Brainpower for 20 years now. We just started, we just we just walked into year 21 a couple of months ago. So I've been a tour DJ, DJing for MC for all that time. So if we're talking from that perspective, um, then basically you're going to be playing the tracks that Planet Asia is going to use during the performance, and you might be doing some scratches. So if that's your job, it doesn't really matter what the opening DJs are doing or what anyone else is doing. If it also means that you're playing right before you guys start the show or you're playing after he's done, yeah, that's a little bit different. You're going to have to tune that uh, to his specific set a bit. So just to give you a crazy example, it wouldn't really make sense to play a hardcore techno set right before Planet Asia comes on. You want to have something that's a little bit more in tune with what's going to happen. And of course, it also depends on the artist because that artist is going to pull in a specific type of crowd. You probably already understand that. So I'm just trying to um, approach this question from as many different angles. So like I said, if you're his DJ and you're DJing during the show, then you're going to have a prepared set list that you have to follow. You, you probably... Um, rehearse the show or at least you have a playlist like these are the tracks you're supposed to play stuff like that now for me it's a little bit more than that because i'm also the backup mc so i have to know all the lyrics as well and like 60 70 80 percent of the show i'll have a microphone in my hand and i'll be either behind the decks or in front of the stage uh with brain power but if you're just behind the decks then you're gonna play the tracks when he says stop you stop him when he gives you the cue for the next one, you start the next one. Uh, that's not that hard, especially if you have that track list. But if you're DJing before the headlining MC or if you're DJing after, yeah, it all depends on the time and, and uh, what type of artist it is. So, for instance, the show we did two days ago, it was at a festival. And at that festival, they were playing all kinds of music. So I played a short, short set before we started the show. So I played 15, maybe 20 minutes. Then we did like a 20, 25-minute set, and then I played for another 20 minutes, something like that. And I had the tempo a little bit higher than his track. So I was at somewhere between 105 and 110 BPM, a lot of energy. And I know that the first track that we're doing in his set is a banger, but that's like a... I'm not even sure. I think it's like a 95, 96 BPM track. So even though on its own, it has a lot of energy, if I was to just start the show with that track right after I play 110 BPM joint, that's not going to work. You're going to suck all the energy out of that track. So I'm aware of that. So I'll make the conscious decision to bring it all the way down and start it back up for the show. So either I'll play a way slower track just let them know, all right, that's it, we ready, we about to start the show. But I make sure that that energy is down a bit before I introduce him and start that first banger because I do want that first banger to have the impact. So if you're playing right before act, you do want to hype up the crowd, but you want to make sure that you're not going 
over the act. That's never a good thing. So I hope you understand what I mean by that. I hope that answers your question. If that's not exactly what you meant, holla at me right here because I'm reading it live right now. So uh, those muchos, let me know. Holla. So the question I have here is, I just want to know how to do an intro in the beginning of the song. Now, I assume this is talking about making your own edits to create an intro. If you're part of a DJ pool, if you subscribe to DJ pool, then you're probably aware of the fact that a lot of the songs they release will have the normal version and a version with an intro. And the intros are basically made to give you a clean eight bars of beat, which makes it a lot easier to make a transition into a next track. So, for instance, if a track is playing and it has a hook, a chorus, a lot of times those hooks will be eight bars. If you have eight bars of clean beat at the beginning of your other track, that makes it a lot easier to make a clean transition. Now, some consider that to be cheating a little bit because we did not have that when we just had our vinyl. Uh, personally, I don't care. And I would also beg to differ because back in our vinyl days, you had special companies making special edits of tracks already. We had things like Wicked Mix over here. They would take all the hottest tracks at the moment and release them on vinyl with special edited intros. So it's not a new thing. So I definitely don't mind. And I use a lot of these intros as well. For some tracks, it just allows me to make a smoother transition because otherwise I would only have maybe like a short intro and I could only cut it in which will work fine sometimes, but if you're in that smooth transition phase and you want to make just a nice, uh, a lot of nice blends, then those intros work well. Now look, if you have a track and it doesn't have an intro yet, what you need to do is you need to find an uh, empty part in the song. And I mean just the part where you can just hear the beat and no vocals. Now, not always, but a lot of times at the end of the track, after the last chorus you'll have a couple of bars of the beat. That happens. So a couple of bars of just that instrumental. The last hook is done and the beat continues for a little while. What they do often is they'll take just a, just a bar or two bars or if it's longer, even four bars of that, put that in the beginning and put that in the beginning twice. So if it's four bars, you copy that part and paste it twice in the beginning. You need editing software for this, of course, but you can use anything. You can use free software like uh, Audacity. That's free audio editing software. And just put your track in there. Find a part that is two, four, eight bars long with no vocals. And you just take that part, copy it, and then you paste it to the beginning. Now, mind you, you can't just paste those eight bars at the beginning and just make everything work. You do have to check that after those eight bars of beat that you actually have the first bar of the beginning of either the verse or the hook. So don't just paste eight bars into it and think that you're good. You do need to make sure that timing wise everything is in order. Now that's a little bit too hard to explain just here on the podcast. We would have to do that in video form and actually I will do that in video form so you can see what I mean. Because sometimes I hear intros, even intros that I've downloaded from DJ pools and they're wrong. And that just frustrates the living hell out of me. If you get that, you want that to be ready. I had to go in and re-edit that to make that edit work. That makes no sense. If that's the case, I might as well do it myself. But they had actually put eight bars at the beginning, 
But then there was like a two or three bar thing going on before it went into the track. That made no sense. So you have to make sure that you do get the timing right. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if beats, bars, phrases mean nothing to you, then you need to start by finding out how that works. Once you understand that, you can just look for those empty parts, those small parts of instrumental at the end of a track, copy that, put it at the beginning, and then you have an intro. Then I have a question about the Saturday sessions, and the question is, are you still doing the Saturday sessions? Uh, yes, I am. I haven't dropped one in a while. Now, my normal Saturday session is coming in a couple of weeks, and the announcement for the new Saturday Super Session is coming very soon uh, as well. So you can expect that to come shortly. And if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with what the Saturday Sessions is, it is my interactive scratch sessions that I post on DJTLM TV on YouTube. It is a video, and in that video you can see and watch and hear me scratch over a beat. But I'll scratch for a limited amount of bars, so sometimes it's four bars, sometimes it's eight bars. Then I'll stop and I'll let that beat play for another four or eight bars, and that is your opportunity at home to watch the video to scratch over that empty part. Then after eight bars or four bars, whatever I decide it is, I come in again so you can see me scratch again and then I leave a part open. So we go back and forth. So it's basically a back-to-back -back scratch session. Now I also always offer that same beat to download for free so you can do your scratching without me and without the video. But that is a normal Saturday sessions video and then the Saturday super session is my collaborative effort where I get all of you to send me videos of yourself scratching over a beat that I pick and then I take all of those videos I make a selection and I turn that into a giant scratch compilation video I've done a couple of those so if you search online if you go to YouTube go to my channel and you look for Saturday super session you can find those sessions some of those sessions have like 50 or 60 DJs from 35 different countries on turntables on controllers CDJs portable turntables, everything. So I love doing them. They're a lot of work, but uh, the next one is definitely coming soon and a normal Saturday session will return as well. Scroll, scroll, scroll. IG Live, you still with me? Recording my podcast right here, taking your questions on the go. All right, this question here. Hello, Mr. DJ. I have a question for you. I really want to be a DJ, but I have some audition problem. The fact is there are some frequencies I can't hear, especially high ones. Do you have any advice? Uh, okay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I definitely don't have experience with that, so I don't know how much that would limit... Um, your DJ experience. See, I think it all depends. If, if you can only hear a couple of frequencies and you can't really hear the music, uh, I guess it would make it more difficult. I could probably still, st still see it work if you have enough hearing to hear the rhythm so you can still beat match and match tracks together. Um, so I'm not sure. It's really hard for me to comment on that. I have no experience with that. I have no knowledge on the subject. Uh, and I don't know how severe the hearing issue is. If it's only a couple of frequencies, but you can still basically hear the music, you're just missing a frequency or two, then I don't see that it would be a big issue. I think that could still easily work. But I'm not sure. It really depends on how 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 much of an issue that is. So it's really hard for me to comment on that. I'm 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 sorry. I don't have a better answer than that. 
but for you, I hope I hope that it works. I really hope that it works. Have you tried? Let me know right now on IG Live. Have you? Uh, what issues are you experiencing when you tried? Have you actually tried it? So have you had the opportunity to try and mix? And how much is the uh, hearing disability uh, uh, an issue? Let me know. I'm an intermediate level DJ, beginner to intermediate for turntablism, and my biggest issue is trying to bring scratching into my live sets effectively. I assume it's live sets. It says love sets. But I guess that's live sets. Uh, look, that is one of my favorite things. That is what I'm known for. I'm a club DJ, but I like to incorporate turntablism into my sets. And I try to do that in a subtle manner. So I don't try to turn my live sets into some kind of scratch showcase. You can do that too. You can turn it into a showcase, but then it's going to be like the, the show stopper where you get that whole crowd to stop and watch you perform and hopefully love it. But if you're doing a club set, you do not want the crowd to stop. You want them to dance and have fun and incorporate your turntablism in a way that they can continue to dance. Some might notice what you're doing and like it, and for the rest, they can just continue to dance. So for me, I try to pick my perfect moments just to add a little bit of turntablism. So one thing I like to do is after I make a transition and I drop a new track, I'll go to instant double straight away. So I'll load that same track into the other deck and that allows me the opportunity to either do a little bit of backspinning, a couple of rounds, or I turn it into a chase where I let the second track, uh, the second record chase the first one by half a beat. So you get that nice snare, snare, kick, kick uh, thing where you move the crossfader back and forth, do that for a couple of bars, and then take one out, go back. Subtle things. It doesn't have to be showcase. It's just a lot of fun for me personally. And if there's a couple people in the crowd um, who do know this, that's always a good thing. And I always have a couple of people that you can see, even if I see footage of myself, I see someone in the back was like closely watching, like, whoa, what's happening? And I love that. But I'm doing it for me more than for anything else. Same thing with scratches. When I do a transition and I have a couple of bars left, I'll do a little bit of cutting. So if I transition from one track to the next, and that next track is playing, but the vocals haven't started yet, that gives me the opportunity to cut with the last record for how many bars I have left, two bars, four bars. Then I stop when the vocals begin, stuff like that. And there's there's more ways, but the, moment, the main thing is you wanna keep it subtle. Don't go overboard, don't turn it into this crazy showcase. You can start your set like that, start it with some crazy all-out cuts to get everyone's attention, and once you start that set, then it's all about having that crowd dance. Is it possible to have uh, to have a record box and Serato on one laptop MacBook? Yes, it is. No problem at all. Uh, I currently have a record box, Serato, Tractor, um, and DJ Pro two on this laptop or do you mean that you want to have them running at the same time i don't think you mean that uh, i have not tested that but uh, i do have them on the same laptop and that's not an issue at all 
So mostly I'll play with Serato. Sometimes I'm doing stuff with Rekordbox when I was recording my reviews with all the controllers and stuff. I was using Rekordbox. So that's not, that's not a problem at all. How should I set up my turntable perfectly for scratching? Uh, I think there's videos online for that that allow you to like calibrate the, the weights and stuff. Um, I assume that's going to be different on every turntable as well. So it all depends on what type of needle you're using because with some needles you want to have that weight balance a little more heavy on the needle and with other ones a little less heavy. Uh, then you have your anti-skating. And to be very, very honest, that has never been something I was really into. I would, especially when I was using vinyl, my only concern was to try to make it skip um, the least amount of times. So I would have the weight as heavy as I could have it. Have it. I would have that tone arm as far up, so it would have that whole arm as far down, tilted down as possible. I would have a coin on top of my needle to make it heavier. <laughs> All of those things are not good for the needle and not that good for the vinyl, but I wanted to make sure it was steady. Um, Anti-skating, I've heard different uh, theories. I've had it in different settings. Was never really able to test it in a way to see that it would actually make a difference. And since I'm using uh, Serato in relative mode, you're not really catching the small skips anymore anyway. So I've not paid that much attention to it. I try to keep it from being the heaviest, but um, no. With some of the things when it comes to DJing, where you think that I would know everything about it and be really pro about it, I'm just totally not. <laughs> Same thing with like when I have a bad connection with my needle, I will take that head shell off the tone arm and I will wet that back and put it back in. And you have some of these audio files, these technicians going nuts like, ah, oh, no, that's going to corrode the inside. And I, I know, but anytime I lick it, I get that connection back. So some of these things, I'm definitely not doing it the right way. And when it comes to the perfect setup for the turntables, um, I know there's tutorials online. You can check. You have some people who are just into everything turntable, and they can tell you anything you need to know uh, in their videos. So I suggest you definitely do that. All right. What is good for live streams set for mobile? I start live streams from parties with direct audio, but a lot of times it's blocked. What do you think is best? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Thanks. Uh, when you say it's being blocked, I guess that you're talking about um, it being blocked due to copyright issues. I've had that happen with Facebook, that it was live streaming, and somehow they can also detect all the tracks in your live stream, so that just got cut off. Bang. End. Due to copyright issues. YouTube, I've not live streamed on YouTube not with audio, so I have no idea if they are as strict, but I know YouTube is very strict when it comes to copyright, so that could be an issue. I use Periscope a lot. Periscope hasn't failed me yet, so that could be a good option. Uh, the quality, you can get decent quality if you record it with the right side on your phone. That's the problem. Most of the times, if you want to live stream your set, like I'm live streaming on IG right now, you're using your front-facing camera because you want to see the comments. 
the front-facing camera is never the better camera on your phone. So if you want to live stream your set and you want to have the highest quality, you're better off using the camera on the other side. That is the more the higher quality camera. Uh, so last time I was doing a streaming uh, live stream set on Periscope, I was using the front-facing camera, and yeah, the video looks horrible. It's just not really good. I took a piece that I posted on IG, but it's not that great. So if you want better quality, yeah, Periscope will work. Uh, I don't know what you're using to DJ, what type, of, uh, what type of mixer you're using. I recently did a video for the DJM Rec app from Pioneer. That's their recording app that allows you to record digitally from uh, DJM 900 Nexus 2 and a couple of other Pioneer mixers. And the audio quality is great. And you can use that for live streaming as well. I think Periscope is in there. I'm not sure, can't check right now on the phone because I'm streaming, uh, but that is an option. But what you could also do, uh, look, it all depends on what you want. Is it about the live stream or about the footage? If you just want the footage, you, you can re record your audio through an audio recorder, set a camera up, put the footage together afterwards, and then post clips of that online as well. Um, but that's up to you. But yeah, it's going to be hard with some of these platforms because they do have issues with the copyrights. So uh, Periscope worked well for me. I've never had anything taken down from Periscope. All right, here's a question that I receive almost every week for the podcast, and that is, have you heard anything about Phase, the wireless needle? Uh, yes, and I've spoken about Phase on many occasions. Love it. It's a game changer. Have not tested it myself, but I've seen almost any DJ uh, with any authority at all test it, and it looks solid. It really looks solid. I think the release date is September, so we're not that far away from it. And as soon as it comes out, I should be uh, reviewing it as well. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, to me, it's a game changer, and I'm all for it. I love my turntables, but I hate the issues that you always have with needles and tone arms. And if that can take away that hassle, I'm all for it. 100%. Then we have a question from Yori, and the question is how I build my sets, my DJ sets. Uh, to be honest, and I've said this on many occasions as well, I play freestyle all the time, meaning that I do not prepare sets. So I'm the wrong person to really ask because I, I really never prepare. My preparation is all done. Uh, I do prepare, so let me just uh, correct myself. I don't have a prepared track list, but I do prepare. And my preparation consists of making sure that all the tracks that I like to play have their cue points and loops in there so that I know that any track I load will have the cue points that I like. I like to have a cue point at the beginning of the track and most of the times a cue point at the beginning of a verse and sometimes a cue point on the break. This not really special, but it's not something that I want to do when I'm already playing. I want to just load that track and know that it's good. Uh, I'll make a selection so that my folder hopefully only consists of tracks that I will probably play. And um, that is the most important part of my preparation. Knowing what music I have with me, actually knowing that music so that I'm familiar with the structure of the songs and stuff like that, and just know that I'm, uh, I have my cue points in there. But that's it. So if I go to 
play at a club. I make sure I have the info I need. I know what type of party it is. I know what type of people are coming. I know the type of music that is expected of me. And that's it. I like to come in, if I can, at least an hour before I have to play so I can hear what the DJ before me is playing. That is important to me as well. Uh, so that allows me to not play what DJs have been playing in the last hour. That's a big mistake I see a lot of DJs make. They come in five minutes before they're set. And that's the only thing they can do because they take like four bookings a night and they're playing everywhere an hour. Then they have to travel for an hour, get into the club and just start playing straight away. It doesn't show a lot of respect to your crowd because you're just going off autopilot on that moment because uh, you have no idea what's being played and you just start playing. And I've seen this happen a lot, like DJs that come in after me and they're walking in five minutes before they have to start playing and their second or third song is a song that I played like 10 minutes before. You know, so that's why I like to come, if I can, I can't always, but most of the times I can, I'll try to be there at least an hour in advance, just so I can hear what's being played. It also gives me a chance to see how people react to certain songs. So if I can tell, like, they're not reacting to old school at all, that already tells me, like, okay, I, I'm better off playing more new tracks than old tracks. Um, or if that DJ has not played any old school at all, then I know, okay, that's, that's a path I can try as well. So it gives me a better idea and understanding of what's happening. It allows me to not play what has just been played. And then sometimes it gives me ideas of, okay, I'm going to, he's been playing dance hall for the last 45 minutes. As soon as I start, I'm going to switch to something else, stuff like that. But that is how I prepare. Now, if you do want to prepare your set, you do have to take some of the same steps that I just told you about. You want to get as much information as you can. So you want to know what type of party it is, what type of people are coming, what type of music is expected of you. That allows you to make a musical selection. Once you have that selection, it also depends on what time of the night you're playing. Are you opening? Are you somewhere in the middle? Are you playing prime time? Or are you the last DJ? Any of those time slots gives you a different type of energy that you have to bring to the people. So you take that into consideration as well. If you're playing the first hour, so when the doors are just opening up, you're not looking for that high energy stuff. So your, your selection is going to be a little bit different than if you're playing prime time. So all of those things are things you start with. Now, once you have that selection, then you can start to take a look at what you have in that folder and think, okay, what am I going to start with? What would work well with that? You can go through the tracks like that and make your actual set list. You go a bit off BPM and off the energy. Uh, you find points where you might want to switch it up to a different genre or different energy. Um, but I, I personally prefer not to because I want to react on what people are doing. I can see their reaction. And if it is not what I expected, then I have the option to easily switch. If I have a totally prepared track list, but they're not feeling that track list, then that's not going to work for me. That's why I prefer to play freestyle. Um, so that's it. All right, Santos has a question. The question is, what's the best way to get your timing right or tight when scratching? Practice. That's all there is to practice, 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 practice. You have to practice the movements. You might want to start doing that a little bit slower. You want to get the movement going, so you want to get the right... Uh, feeling between that fader hand and that uh, the fader hand and, and the platter hand, you want to get the movements right. You want to be able to do it slow, do it faster. But most importantly, you need to practice it over beats. I've had people, even people in the timeline right now, I'm not going to mention your name, 
that have been around me for years. And after years, I had the setup at home and I got them to try and just do a little scratch, just a little baby scratch. But yeah, that felt pretty good. They were moving it back and forth. They were feeling really confident. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I added a beat. And that's where a lot of people get that first struggle because now they have to maintain that simple, quote-unquote, simple baby scratch on beat. For some, it goes fast. For others, it takes more time. So you just have to practice until you get that right. Now, a lot of you want to go too fast. So you want to get straight into all these crazy crabs moving your fingers in 100 directions. You need to start with the basics first, master each and every technique, and take it up from there. Because those basic techniques are going to come back in each and every of those advanced movements as well. Um, so practice, that's all it is. That's all I can say. Now, of course, you need to have a little bit of sense of rhythm in you as well. I've had people couple of people during workshops and you can just tell like they have no idea what it means when you say all right try to do it on beat and they just had no sense but most people definitely understand that if they hear a beat and this is the beat how they have to scratch along to that beat in the same tempo in the same uh, rhythm but you need to just practice 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 and then practice some more and then practice some more <laughs> that's all there's to it Are not really a question, but it is something that more and more of you are dealing with in recent times, and that is switching between DJ software. So in this case, I see a comment, and the comment says, transitioning from Serato DJ to Rekordbox DJ on the DDJ-1000. Now, the DDJ-1000 is one of those, I don't want to say game-changing controllers, but it's definitely one that had a lot of people at least consider to make the move from Serato to Rekordbox DJ because the DDJ-1000 is a controller for Rekordbox. Now, it is absolutely a fantastic controller, especially if you compare it to a lot of the controllers that are out by Pioneer for Serato. You got, a, you got good controllers like the SX series. It's definitely good. SX3 that just came out. It's a great controller, but for me personally, once I had my hands on that DDJ-1000, it was a wrap. For me, for some DJs, it's not the case, especially mobile DJs will find probably more use in that SX3. But if you take a look at the fader and that CDJ size platter on DJ1000, that was just, for me, I played with it for five minutes and I already knew like, okay, this is better than all of these other controllers, um, not including the controllers with moving platters. Let me set that straight right now. So I'm not including an NS7 or a Rain 12. I'm talking about controllers with non-moving platters. DDJ-1000, top of my list, 100%, all the time. Now, some are a bit hesitant to, to switch to that controller because they would have to switch from Serato to Rekordbox DJ. I understand that. Uh, now, for me personally, they're not the same, but they're not that different. Like, a lot of DJ software has a lot of similarities. And to me, it is a question of, does one DJ software have specific features that you can't find on that other one? So, Right now in the comments here or in the post on IG Live, a lot of people are talking about Serato Flip and using Serato Flip for edits. If Serato Flip is one of those things that you're regular, or regularly using, <laughs> um, then yeah, if you're going to switch to Rekordbox and you don't have Serato Flip anymore, that could be a letdown. 
I could understand that. I could see that. But for me personally, I don't really use flip. Uh, I, I luckily, I don't have to make a choice because I play with all. If I'm playing with DVS and turntables, I got my Serato. But if there's a DDJ-1000, I'll happily open up record box and play with that. Because if I'm using a controller or any type of uh, device, when it comes to DJ software, the DJ software basically is just there for me to hold the music and give me the music. In most occasions, I'm not using that much from the DJ software. So some of you might use a lot of the effects in the DJ software. I hardly ever use effects in my DJ software. So if I'm playing with DVS and turntables, I have my S9. I'm not using the Serato effects. I'm using the effects on the S9. If I'm playing with my 900 SRT, I'm using the effects on the SRT. I'm not using the Serato effects. So for me, that was not a big change because I'm not using the effects anyway. And if you got the DDJ-1000, you also have the dedicated effects that are on that mixer part. So I'm not using the effects in Rekordbox DJ either. And I could, and I could just apply them to the pads, which worked really well. So for me, it was hardly any issue. Look, the thing about DJ software is it is there to hold your music and to allow you to play with different types of equipment. But I'm not spending time with the software only time I look at the laptop is to choose a new song. So if you're using Rekordbox DJ, I think in my opinion, it's all about just the preparation, setting it up to have every function you like covered on that controller. So like I said, if you like certain effects in the software, you can assign those to the effects pads that you have. Set that up once, you're good to go. Uh, that's basically it. So for me, it's not an issue. And you need to just really take a close look at the software that you're using and figure out if it is really that important to stick to that. And for me, it's not even a choice. I use it all. I'm going to be using more different type of software in the future as well. But I'll talk about that later. So that's it for episode 59 of the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs. Thanks for tuning in. You can check me out anywhere. iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find all the links in the description box down below or go to sharethenowledgepodcast.com. If you want to check out some of the video clips or some of my tips and tricks and tutorial videos, check out DJ TLM TV on YouTube. For all the free sounds, you can go to my SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash DJ TLM or djtlm.com. Once again, I want to thank everyone on Instagram for tuning in to my IG live session. I will be doing that again in the near future as well. Uh, I'll be back next week for episode 60 and that's going to be a special episode and I will not tell you why right now. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.